podcast that features folks from all walks of life telling us one true childhood story and how that event, that experience, has impacted who they are today. I'm your host, Jay Rehack. Like you, I've had my share of childhood experiences, some of them painful, some of them pretty nice. But I like to think that everything that ever happened to me has made me a better person. Now, that may not be true, but that's the way I like to think. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's classics, I've Got Peace in My Fingers, and One Little Act of Kindness. All right, today is season four premiere, and I pulled off a coup. I got the great Ben Jarovsky. Anybody who lives in Chicago knows who this man is, and probably a lot wider than that. But Ben Jarofsky is a Chicago Reader columnist, and he's host of The Ben Jarofsky Show, a daily podcast. He's also, and probably most importantly, a friend of mine and a man that I have great respect for. Welcome to the show, Ben Jarofsky. Thank you, Jay. And let me do some promotion. Jay Rehack was a guest on my show. So I want everybody to go check it out when you're done listening to this. Don't take a break. Just go right back and listen to the show where Jay was on. We do a deep dive on pensions. Now, I promise you, Jay and I will not be discussing pensions on today's show. I know a lot of you out there want me to discuss pensions, and you probably think my earliest childhood memory had to do with pensions, but that is not true, okay? <laughs> my earliest childhood memory had nothing to do with pensions. I didn't even know pensions existed until I met Jay React. So anyway, no pension talk today, Jay. All right, Ben, no pension talk, but uh, I'm glad that you did mention your show. I'm a big fan of your show. It's a heck of a lot bigger than mine, but that's, I'm not, I'm, I'm not comparing sizes. That's, that's, that's not who Come I am. On, anyway, let's move past all that. Yes. Size doesn't matter. Anyway, Ben, are you ready to tell your story? Yes, sir. Now, Ben, what I'm going to do is I'm going to mute myself. Okay. And as soon as you're finished with your story, I'm going to come back and ask you absolutely one question. And that one question is this. How do you think that what happened to you as a child, this experience that you talked about, has impacted who you are today? So take it away, Ben Jarofsky. All right, very good. So when Jay asked me to come on the show and recollect a memory that shaped who I am, I had a lot of memories to recollect, ladies and gentlemen, because I've lived a few years. I am e even older than Jay Rehack, if such a thing is possible. So... A lot of the memories that I have are traumatic ones. And we live, I was just talking about this with a dear friend. We, we live in a time where people, I think, are finally coming face to face with the traumas that they experienced in their early ages, in their early days, in their youth. And this is like a prominent theme in media today. I was telling Jay, I was urging him to watch episode six from The Bear. He dutifully did it. I give him credit. He did his homework. And in episode six of The Bear, it's this horrific Christmas dinner in which the family is exposed to all the toxicity of 
the other family members. Everybody's nuts in their own way. Everybody's embittered. Everybody's traumatized. Uh, there's people who drink too much, can't control the liquor, et cetera, and so forth. And it's just like a, a devilish brew that poisons absolutely every character. And I could tell you a few stories like that. <laughs> I could, Jay Rehack. But I decided to go in a different direction and not deal with stories that traumatize me. But in a sense, a story that sort of shaped me. And it's a story I've never told before, but it's a story I've been thinking about because, Jay, actually, I've been thinking a lot about this stuff uh, as I move on with each advancing day. So this story goes back to the summer of 1965, ladies and gentlemen, 1965. I was nine years old. But in those days, my family lived in Rhode Island. I used to live in Rhode Island before my family moved to Evanston. And so every summer, my parents sent me to camp. Uh, we were a very middle-class family, and that's what middle-class families did back in the 60s. And on top of that, I think my parents uh, just wanted to get me and my sister out of the house for whatever reason. So off to camp we went, and we were told it's for your own good. So I kind of enjoy camp, summer camp. You know, I have pretty good memories of summer camp. But this one particular summer camp, I believe it was in Massachusetts. I'm positive it's in Massachusetts. It's been a long time, ladies and gentlemen, 1965. And so at the end of the year, there was a uh, campfire. And at the campfire, this very creative counselor who I can't, I have no memory of the person's face even, because it's a long time ago, but I do remember the story told a scary story and the story was called the green hand and in this story the story begins the counselor saying here we are i forget the name of the towns let's say it's jonestown massachusetts there is no jonestown massachusetts but just say ladies and gentlemen okay just ride with me that it was jonestown and in jonestown massachusetts in the year 1765 1765 there was a farmer who lived all alone. And in those days, nobody lived in this area. It was like wilderness. Uh, and this farmer one day in August of 1765 went out to chop some wood. He made, uh, had a very bad accident. And instead of chopping the wood, he chopped off his hand. And he was screaming in agony. Uh, as he lay on the ground, but there's the wilderness. There's no one around to hear him. And eventually he died from the injury, from the loss of blood. A hundred years later, in that same general area of Jonestown, Massachusetts, more people live there now. It's more settled. And there was another farmer and his wife, and they lived in uh, like the same plot of land where that farmer in 1765 had cut off his hand. And when they were going to bed, they were asleep. All of a sudden, at 2 in the morning, there's a tapping on the window. And they woke from their sleep, and through the window, like magic, came this green hand dripping blood. And they were screaming, Wah! Ah! And it was, still wasn't, there weren't a lot of people around, so no one could hear the screams. around the farmer's neck and strangled him 
And then the green hand strangled the wife and their body. <laughs> I'm sorry, people. Their bodies were discovered the next day. And on the window written in blood was the green hand. And they figured out that the place was cursed. And that every 100 years, that green hand would return to strangle somebody. And that last time the green hand was there was August 1865. Well, kids, guess what it is now? August 1965. <laughs> the green. That was the story the guy told. That's my memory of the story. I think he probably did a better job, but that's my memory of the story. I was like horrified. I'm like, I'm so scared of the green hand. The green hand's going to get me. Oh, no. That night, I don't think I tossed and turned the little tent that we had, you know. Thankfully, there was no green hand, ladies and gentlemen. The next year, I went on to fifth grade, young scholar, Barrington Elementary School. <laughs> and one day, like four months into the school year, long after, it was probably 66 by now. Yeah, Jay Rehack. It was probably 1966, Jay Rehack. Just like a young Jay Rehack in 1966, listening to Shindig and Hullabaloo, okay? And the monkeys. He loved the monkeys, man. But I'm not reminiscing about Jay. Just, just go 1966, young Jay Rehack. 1966, fifth grade, the teacher says, calls us in, she goes, all right, class, your next assignment is you have to write a story. You have to write a story, just you have to, vet, you know, do your own story. I'm like, I don't know what to write about. I, again, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't the greatest of all scholars, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, finally hit me. Why don't you write the green hand? You know, that's a story. So it was still fresh in the memory. I probably have even better memory of it then, obviously, than I do now. So I wrote it out. I wrote the story at a green hand. It, I like a page and a half. I turned it in. And the next day or whatever, whenever it was that the teacher had graded the papers, the teacher did something for me that has never happened to me before or since. The teacher called me out. She said, the best story, I must share this with you, is by Benny Jarofsky. Ben, everybody called me Benny. And uh, it's called The Green Hand. And this teacher read my story to the class. When she was done reading The Green Hand, which is essentially the exact same story I told you, ladies and gentlemen, only, you got to give me credit for this, I changed it from Jonestown, Massachusetts, uh, and August of 1965. Yeah, I updated it to like, let's say whatever, it's February 66 and Barrington, Rhode Island. <laughs> when she was done, the class burst into applause. Ladies and gentlemen, they clapped, they cheered. The story, I was sitting there basking the glory of it all. I kind of felt like, like what? Beatles or something. You know, it's like one time in a moment, like people spontaneously cheered. And I have now spent the last 40 something years 
of my life as a writer. And I have essentially done as a writer what I did back as a kid in that class. I listened. I listened carefully. I recreated what I heard as best I could, and I put it in story-like form. And I've been doing that now, ladies and gentlemen, since roughly 1979, Jay Rehack, 1979. I've never had anybody burst into spontaneous applause for anything I wrote. <laughs> I have had a few moments, like on a train, this is any reader writer can tell you they probably had a moment like this. I'm sitting on the subway and I'm watching something, someone reading one of my articles, which is a real trip to do for many different reasons. But I think I, I really believe in many ways that my life as a writer, as a nonfiction journalist began back in 1965 with my retelling of the story of the green hand. And just to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, I had it wrong. In actuality, the green hand lived in Chicago, Illinois. And it was August of, I got to do the math, Jay Rehab. <laughs> it was August of eight, no, 17, 23. God, I'm bad at math. <laughs> good, good thing I was a writer. So that's my story, Jay Rehack, the green hand. Well, Ben, uh, I'm, I'm going to look at your stories a little differently from now on. I didn't realize you were a horror fiction fan back in the day. And were you worried at all that somebody was going to say, hey, I heard that story before? Or was that, did that come into your head at all or not at all? In, 18, in, 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 18, in 1965, never. Yeah. Absolutely. It didn't occur to me. I was just desperate, man. I had to get yeah. something in and I did the green hand. And you know what? It's funny because years later, not about 10 years ago, I had a conversation with a Chicago guy. Uh, he wanted me to write a book about his life and uh, it never happened. But I remember him telling me like he supplied the stories. I had the easy job because I just mm -hmm. wrote them down mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, this is the guy who never listened to anyone. Okay, I'm not going to mention his name. Yeah, he right. never listened to anyone. So I go, it's not hard to listen, huh? I got to listen to you. And I got to write <laughs> down what you say. And I got to put it in a coherent order. Oh, that's nothing, huh? <laughs> you, In his mind, it was just like whatever came out of his mouth was the real stuff. You know what I mean? And so whatever I did as the as-told-to guy, effectively, yeah. I was an as-told-to writer writing the, uh, the official story of the Green Hand. Uh, I was the Green Hand's ghostwriter, if you will. And uh, so I like to believe that there is a certain amount of what uh, talent, skill, uh, a craft involved in being the writer who gathers the information, processes the information, puts it into some kind of order, and then writes it out for people to read. I agree with you 100% on that, because I've been reading your articles for as long as I can remember. I've been in Chicago for since 1984, I don't know what, you know, just the reader, you know, whatever. And, and uh, you sort of make things coherent for the, for the regular guy. I didn't know about uh, the green hand, 
and I, I, I do think of you more as a uh, nonfiction writer because you spend a lot of your time uh, ripping on the local politicians and stuff, you know what I mean? But uh, let me just ask you have, you, have you written fiction, just straight fiction of your own? Yes. Oh, good. And I'm not good at it. And I realize I'm an obsessive reader of fiction. Okay. I, I, I read far more fiction than nonfiction. Uh, it le- it's at least four to one. And I'm an obsessive reader anyway, up until 2.30 or 3 last night, 3 o'clock, finishing a book. And um, uh, so I read about a novel a week. Wow. It's, I know. And I'm, uh, it's my hobby and my, um, I don't know what I would do without reading. Uh, yeah, maybe and a meditation so- or something. So I read at night. I read in the morning, actually. So everything's quiet. I My phone is nowhere near me. And I just, that's the best time for me to read. And so you would think having read all that fiction that I would like be good at fiction, but no, I'm not. I uh, I get in my way and I stumble. And, and then the, the voice, if, if I, like the voice that I have in my mind is not... it's a nonfiction voice it's so weird but it's it's got it like a narrative it's got its form it's it's what i'm familiar with it's what i know and so it doesn't really lend itself to fiction though i have tried uh writing fiction but not for me well i hope you try it again but i do love your nonfiction, like everybody in chicago so that's pretty cool you know what i mean and uh Sorry that you haven't written, you know, more fiction, but again, sort of to the benefit of uh, the rest of us because you're sort of muckraker, you know what I mean? And uh, I appreciate your story. In a way, it really does speak to who you are, I think, in the sense that you are a great listener, I guess, you know, and you put it, you know, out for us after, after you hear it. And that's a skill, of course. So just in short, yeah, how do you think that that experience definitely impacted who you are today, just uh, succinctly? Well, I I think that like uh, any nonfiction writer or any writer, mm-hmm. it's a, it's how do I put this. It's um, writing is a very solitary experience, and it's a strange experience because it's something you do all by yourself, unless you obviously as you have a co-writer. I've had a few, few more than a few over the years. But uh, it's something you do very much by yourself. It's a voice you hear in your head. Uh, it's 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 a very strange, almost schizophrenic experience to go through, uh, to be a writer, to hear voices in your head, uh, and then try to put them, get them on the page, exa- like they sound in your head. They some, and a lot of times, as you know, Jay, because you've done writing, it sounds better in your head than when... <laughs> it comes on the paper and then there's the rewriting. And then part of the joy, in my opinion, of writing is when you've got the, the piece, the rough draft, like I'll show you right here. This is a rough draft on my next reader column and uh, it's there. So now I'll have the joy of fine tuning it, deleting passages that don't work, rewriting passages so that they're tighter, funnier, smarter, etc., cetera, uh, and so forth. So, that process of writing, very solitary process, but then there's the, like the letting go. Yeah. You deliver it to the audience. And that moment is a scary moment for me anyway. It's like, cause you have no idea how people are going to respond. So I was talking about seeing somebody on the, the train. Like one time I remember seeing someone, they were reading my, they were turning the pages of the reader. This is like the actual newspaper, the reader, they weren't reading on a phone and they were turning the pages and they came to my page. And then 
they turn the page. I'm like, wait, I, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> You're missing. You didn't read. For all I know, they had already read it. Who knows? So, but there's that moment when you deliver it. And so the thing about the green hand, like it, it uh, I recreated what I heard. I got it on the page. It's like the first time I've ever done that. Right. Mm -hmm. I got through that moment. And then I had the response, the, the spontaneous applause. Yeah. And I've never had that. Uh, I mean, I've done readings, you know, where and then people clap. But yeah, you get spontaneous I, applause. I know you do. I, I, I if I do, uh, yeah, I'm not there. I'm like, like literally <laughs> not on it. Like if someone's like, "This is so good. This article you wrote about pensions is so good," and they're clapping. But uh, so I feel as though, like in in some ways, I've been chasing that high. Ever since, you know what I mean? Like, oh, where's the spontaneous? Where's the where's the cheers from the crowd? But you know, you get it bits and pieces. Uh, people tell you how much they like your stuff, or uh, there's a nice. They'll send you a nice email or a text or what have you, and uh, you know, and then it accumulates over the years. So you know, you have an impact. People have been reading it, and they they remember articles you wrote. So in its own way, it's kind of sort of like that moment in 1966 when yeah just uh, spread out ben that's all and yeah, you got the you got the intense yeah you got the injection back in 65 66 and uh now you've just you get it in smaller doses but yeah, yeah. well thank you i love it because you know I'm, i am a little bit of a writer and i I think about what motivates me to write stories, et cetera. And I don't write the same stuff that you write. You're, you're sort of a hard hitting, I guess, hey, muckraker is what I think of. You know, you sort of break it down for everybody to understand what's going on in this, this particular town. And I've always appreciated that because I just get angry and write a, a mean tweet and call it done, you know? And it's like, I'm not gonna write a whole article about this. This is the whole thing. You know, it's just, you guys are full of it, you know, full of it, that's it, and I'm done. And I wait for you or somebody else to break it down a little bit more specifically and precisely. So thanks for hanging in there and doing all that all these years. Because uh, you know, I say that the people in this town know who you are. I told people this morning, actually, that I was interviewing you. And they're like, really? That's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I, 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 got, I got some big hitters on my, uh, on my season <laughs> four. So you're my season four opener. You may know that. I'd like to thank you for being on the show. It means a lot to me to uh, connect with you, and we appreciate you. Well, thank you very much, Jay. And urge everyone, uh, if you're uh, listening to this, if you want to see read some of the stuff I do, that's a little not just not that there should be just not just the heart rate, uh, the the muck raking or the investigations or the analysis. The the reader newsletter uh, that I write once a week, I have fun with it, kind of off the wall stuff. And uh, so I urge everybody to uh, find that. It's really simple. Just go to the Chicago Reader and you can find it and you subscribe. You get it. And it's a little different flavor, of a sort of slices of life. I enjoy writing that immensely. In fact, I got to, when we're done with this, I got to get back to it and uh, write it because I got a deadline. What else? Another deadline in my life. Another deadline. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to include that link to the Chicago Reader, the weekly, in your bio so that people can get it, okay, and subscribe to it. So absolutely it's, it's excellent it's excellent all right i'd like to thank my guest ben jarofsky the ben jarofsky for being on the show i'd like to thank my sponsor Lightning publishing publishers of quality books and so until next time this is jay rehack asking you all to please stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody <laughs>